Alright, well, uh, our church is meeting off-site today, as you can tell. And that always makes people ask, hey, how's the facility search going, right? How I many of you are wondering that? <laughs> when are we going to get a building of our own so we don't have to meet off-site here? Uh, so things are going well. We have already chased down so many leads since we started looking for a building. But right now there's one really, really great opportunity that we are running fast after. In fact, we call the special unplanned meeting for our facility search team tomorrow night so that we can discuss this opportunity. So I hope by next Sunday to be able to share with you some of the details on that. I can't now. You've got to come back to church next week to hear about it. <laughs> but it's an amazing opportunity. I just got booed. <laughs> it's not good when you get booed before the sermon starts. It's an amazing opportunity. Uh, great opportunities have come and gone, but there seems to be something special about this one. So be at church next week, and we'll have some details for you on that. Okay, well, as for the sermon series, we've been going through the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, and the last three weeks have been really different, okay? I've been telling you this at the beginning of each sermon because I don't normally preach this way. Ordinarily, we go to one passage and we just stay there verse by verse, right? So uh, especially visitors, I want you to know that this isn't the way church always goes each week. But again today, we're going to be in many, many different places in the Bible because I'm trying to hit one topic over the past four weeks so that we get it. I may never do this again in our church's history. So this is like a one-time deal where I can really hit this hard and exhaustively, all right? We've been talking about the person of Jesus Christ. The last three weeks have been, did Jesus claim to be God? Okay, in week one, we found out, yes, he did. Week two, we found out, Yes, he did. Week three, we found out. Yes, he did. Three weeks in a row. And if you don't believe that's true, you can go to our website. You can find the last three sermons. And if you listen to those three sermons, you will have to conclude, well, it's, the Bible says that Jesus claimed to be God. He just did. But I felt a burden earlier this week. I felt like if I just moved on, I wouldn't address something that is so pertinent given the day in which we live. Here's what I felt. I felt like if I just set out there what we believe, and as Christians we understood what we believe, there would be some people, perhaps even in our own church, who would go out and they'd say, well, yeah, I know what I believe. But then when someone else said, oh, well, I believe this, a person might be tempted to say, oh, well, that's okay for you. See, because I've got my belief about Jesus, and your belief is just as fine Um, as mine. Or even worse, my fear is that someone might say, well, your thing is pretty much the same thing as mine. Like, basically, they're the same thing. So I decided to devote this whole sermon today to first recap the truth about Jesus that we believe. The first half of the sermon is going to show you how the truth about Jesus has been attacked in the church. Okay? Then the second half of the sermon is going to be showing you what other religions think about Jesus. And I want my goal at the end of this, my goal at the end of this sermon is for you to say, here's what I believe about Jesus, right? And my belief is not the same as your belief. It's not the same. And both can't be true. If you get that at the end of this sermon, you got what I wanted you to have. Let's pray, and then we'll get into this together. Father in heaven, I thank you that we've looked into the person of Jesus the last few weeks. Uh, But I just feel a need in, in this day and age to show the exclusive nature of this claim. 
to show that it does not play well with other truth claims and to help people in this room arrive at a decision, arrive at a conclusion, arrive at a conviction that they are willing to defend and to share about the person of Jesus Christ. Lord, this is my prayer, and I ask that you would accomplish it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you don't have to open your Bibles. (laughs) How many times have I said that? (laughs) Because we're going to project all the verses on the screen. I could get you whipping all over the Bible, but you'd probably get motion sickness. So I just took care of it for you. Here's the first thing I want you to write down. First, I must believe Jesus was 100% God. Okay, again, three sermons. Find them online if you want that proved. But I must believe Jesus was 100% God. And to review that, week one we saw that Jesus alone claimed to be eternal a forever existent being like God. John 17, 5, we'll put that up on the screen. Hey, say this together with me nice and loud. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Get out like a giant vacuum cleaner and, and suck up everything in the whole universe, every particle, every planet, every, everything, everything gone, leaving nothing And Jesus says, I was around when that was the nature of reality. Like there wasn't even space. There was nothing. And Jesus said, I was there. Making him an eternal one-of-a-kind being, only God is like that. Uh, The second week we talked about how Jesus alone is equal to God. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. One. Meaning he's equal in power. He's omnipotent. He's equal in knowledge. He knows everything God knows, and he knows everything about God. And he's equal in presence. He's everywhere at the same time. He's everywhere. He's immense, bigger than the boundaries of this universe. Jesus said, that's who I am. He demonstrated that. And the third week, we talked about how Jesus alone is uniquely united to God. He's the only begotten son. And I wasn't saying that there's like something special that connects him to God. I was saying there's nothing that separates him from God. He is forever uniquely united to God. He's one. So we must believe that Jesus was 100% God. Now, I have, I have several ways that this truth about Jesus was attacked, and we're going to go through that list here, but there's only one under this first point. There was a false teaching known as Ebionism in the early church. You can write this down. It taught that Jesus was born human, and he later became divine. This is a false teaching, write it down, that Jesus was born human, and he later became something divine. The Ebionites denied the virgin birth. They said that Jesus was just the natural son of Joseph and Mary. They just had a natural relationship, and Jesus was born as a a real boy, a natural boy. But then at his baptism, they believed that God, the son, came down into him. And then later on the cross, God the Son left him, so there was just this human Jesus on the cross. This is a false teaching. And I want it, I may never cover this again in our whole church's life, so I want you to get this. Nothing ever happened to Jesus while he was in this planet to change his nature. He was God for eternity. He became human at conception, and throughout his entire life, he was 100% God and 100% man. Okay, you need to get that. Because there are going to be people who try and teach, oh, he wasn't God, but something special happened to him. No, throughout his life on this planet, 100% God, 100% man. If Jesus wasn't God at conception, he would have been born with a sin nature. 
If he wasn't God on the cross, he would not be able to satisfy the eternal wrath of a perfectly holy God. He needed to be God throughout his life. All right, here's the second point. I must believe Jesus not only was 100% God, but I must believe he was 100% man. Write that down. 100% human. Human. I love the insurance commercials that are out now because it, it kind of glorifies what it means to be human, right? Imperfect, you know, uh, and it glorifies what it means to be a human who kind of makes mistakes. So check this out. This is a commercial about being human. Humans. Some of us are great athletes. Others, not so much. Which is why at Liberty Mutual Insurance, auto policies come with features like new car replacement and guaranteed repairs. See what else comes standard at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty Mutual Insurance. Responsibility. What's your policy? I love it. Human. What it means to be human. Uh, and the Bible teaches that Jesus was 100% human. Everything that makes you human made him human. In fact, if you could warp back in time and sit in a room with a hundred ancient Jewish men, I have a feeling you wouldn't be able to pick out who was Jesus. Maybe if you even spent a year with the men based on watching them closely, he would be human, entirely human, exactly human, just like you. You would probably be shocked at how human he was. He was really bad at some things. You may have gotten a better grade than him in certain classes. He had DNA, just like you. He had strengths. He had weaknesses. He had sickness. He, had, he was human. So much so that after three decades, nobody in his family thought, other than Mary, thought he was anything other than human. Right? Him? The carpenter's son? So he convinced everybody that he was just like everybody else. No one was like, something's weird about him. Have you seen him when... Nobody. He was thoroughly human, exactly like you. Now, what that doesn't mean is that doesn't mean that he sinned. They would have known that even though he was human, we've never really seen him do anything wrong, ever. He never sinned. Now, some might say, well, that makes him not human, because humans sin, right? No, back in the garden, the original blueprint for a human did not include sin. You don't need to sin to become human. In fact, the original version of you was supposed to be without sin, and the eternal version of you will be without sin. Praise the Lord, that's God's intent for humanity. So Jesus was in that sense more human than you, or at least more in line with the original specifications. So Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. Let me share a few ways that this teaching has been attacked. First of all, there was a teaching called docetism. It taught that Jesus seemed to be human, but was really not. You can write that down. Jesus, it seemed like he was human. He kind of looked like he was human, but he was really just like this ghost-like being who just like, who just, who just like appeared to be. Like if you went up to him and you tried to touch him, it was just like, you'd go right through him. And you'd be like, hey, you're not a human. Uh, this is a false teaching. It's a false teaching that Jesus seemed to be human, but was really not. Check this out, 1 John 4, 2 to 3. We'll put it up there. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. 
This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Check out 1 John 1, 1. It says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. Okay, so, meaning, John's like, yeah, we did this. Poke, poke. During life, we, t- we saw him, we heard him, we touched him, and then you remember, after he came back from the dead, they were like, he's a ghost. He's not real. Give him some food, give him some food, eat some food, eat some fish. Jesus ate the fish. And then Thomas is like, I need to touch your hand and your side. Jesus is like, all right, fine, poke me. Thomas is like, poke, 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 poke. Jesus is like, are you done yet? We touched him with our own hands. He's human. He's human. Colossians 2.9, we'll put that up on the screen too. Colossians 2.9 says, God lives fully in Christ. God lives fully in Christ. So Jesus was 100% man, but God was dwelling within him. Here's the next one. Um, It's called Sabellianism or Modalism from 300 AD. They taught that Jesus was one of God's outfits, basically. Write that down. Like one of God's costumes. Meaning God the Father in heaven is like one form or one costume, and then sometimes he slips into his Jesus costume, and then another time he slips into his Holy Spirit costume and flies down like a dove. Then he goes back up onto his throne, the same person showing up in three different costumes. That's, that's a heresy. It's not true about Christ. Jesus was not God the Father. The Father did not die on the cross for you. The Spirit did not resurrect up from the grave for you. So the nature of our God, which is mind-blowing, is that there are three persons unified in one being or essence. This is called the Trinity. We have to be clear that Jesus was 100% man. God the Father didn't become 100% man. Only God the Son took flesh onto his person and therefore merged in some amazing way our fate of humanity to God's fate as deity. We are fused forever with the nature of God now. His fate is our fate because of his son. It's awesome. I don't get it, but that's what the Bible teaches. So modalists share a false teaching that Jesus was God in disguise or a different costume, and that's not true. Check out Matthew three sixteen to 17. It says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. Behold, the heavens were opened to him. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So there you see the three persons interacting with one another, but they're not the same persons. So I must believe Jesus was 100% God, not a human who became something divine. Second, I must believe Jesus was 100% man, fully human. Not that he seemed human, Not that he was kind of one of God's human outfits, but that he actually became a full human, like you and me. Here's the third one. The third way that the truth of Christ has been attacked is um, how the two natures come together. Okay, so write this down. I must believe Jesus was one person, fully God and fully human. I must believe Jesus was one person, fully God and fully human. So, Jordan, I think I'm going to throw that picture up there of all the different things we're talking about now, that black and white one first. This will hopefully help you remember it better, but 
Um, the H stands for his human nature. The D stands for his divine. So like Ebionism tried to cross off that he was divine. You know, Docetism tried to cross off that he was human. Arianism crossed off that he's divine. But now we're getting to how these natures go together. And some people tried to say, well, yeah, he was two natures, but they never touched. Or, you know, there's going to be another one where it was kind of one mixture of two natures. Or there's going to be another one where they start crossing off parts instead of all. So let's get into that. I must believe Jesus was one person, fully God and fully human. Um, The first heresy, Arianism, 300 AD, taught that Jesus was the highest created created being. In other words, God at some point, maybe before the world even existed, got out the box, took out the pieces, and assembled a Jesus. Put him together. Made him. Wait a minute, I thought the Bible said Jesus made everything. Well, yeah, but God made him first, and then he made everything. This is the heresy. This is not what we believe. Check this out. This is a car. Maybe you want a car for Christmas. What if it came like that? Some assembly required. Battery not included. Go out to your garage and just try and figure out where to start with that one. This is an assembled contraption. And every time you get into your car, you have to understand somebody took the time to put it together. At one time, it wasn't a car. Now listen, people who believe that some assembly was required with Jesus don't believe in the biblical Jesus. He was never put together. He's always been the eternal son of God. Never was he created, not even before this world existed. He's always been at the Father's side. So that's a heresy, that Jesus is a created being. Apollinarianism is the next one. It taught that Jesus was mostly human. You can write that down. Jesus was mostly human. This was rejected by several church councils, proposed by a bishop of Laodicea. But, you know, he was like almost all the way there. Like he had a body, he had a soul, but he didn't really have a human mind or a human spirit. So we'll call it like 88% human. Okay, good enough? 88% human, 100% God? Is that ratio going to work for you? No. You can't check off anything. Everything you have, a human body, a human mind, a human soul, a heart, Jesus had it all. All of it. Okay? Nothing was left out of the box. You ever try and put something together and they forgot a part? You ever try? I put an entertainment center together, like the first one in our marriage. I got the drill out, put this whole stupid thing together so that we can put our TV on it. At this point, if I could go back in time, I just would have put the TV on my back every time we wanted to watch it because this thing was a hulking, giant, hundred screw, you know, and, and halfway through the thing, I realized this massive board was missing. Not in the box. I'm looking all around. Where is it? I need that board. Can I just use a broomstick? I want to finish it now. Can't find it. Contacted the company. Oh, yeah, that part was left out from several boxes, sir. We'll have to mail it to you. The thing's like leaning like the Tower of Pizza, right? It's about to fall over and waiting. Finally, the part arrives and I finish the assembly. Hey, some people with Jesus, they said, yeah, there were just a few pieces left out of the box. Like, he wasn't fully human. There were a couple features that didn't come with the real Jesus, but that's a false teaching. Jesus was fully human, entirely human. The next one is called Eutychianism. Try and say that ten times. Eutychianism 480 taught that Jesus had a blend of both natures. Write that down. A blend of both. Uh, This guy led a monastery in Constantinople, and he started just talking about how, well, when... um, and Jesus was made, it's like his humanity was like absorbed into his deity. And he became kind of like 
this blend of both, all right? This is a false teaching. This, this is what I would call the smoothie heresy. You write that down if you want. The smoothie heresy. That you put a human nature in the blender, you put a God nature in the blender, you blend them all up, and in the end, it's like neither. It's like neither. It's like a mush of both, right? Like a cake mix. But less than God, more than human, won't cut it. Fully God, fully human. Both natures intact. Okay, certain things just don't mix well together. The divine nature and a human nature don't blend well. Uh, my daughter Ellie was uh, really sick for the past couple of weeks. In fact, she had a fever. It was going five days, six days, seven-day-long fever. All right, you get kind of panicky after three. So I, at like the six-day mark, you know, Lauren started getting a little creative in, in how we were treating this fever. Like we had her on antibiotics, and the doctor was just saying, go ahead and wait. But we were like, maybe we should try something else. So, so Lauren Googled like, you know, how to make your own home cold remedy. She pulled up this list of things that you can mix together and then give it to your daughter to hopefully take away the cold. And, uh, and so she, the list of things on this list are things that should not be put together. Started good with like honey, but then it was like vinegar. Then it was like salt. Then it was like, I don't even remember, like hot sauce and laundry detergent and, and oil and... <laughs> I don't know, but by the time she mixed all this stuff together, it was like fizzling and popping and, you know, like she pulled the spoon out and it was charred and burnt to a crisp. And, and it says then you have to leave it in the fridge overnight to like to let it calm down before you let your child drink it. So overnight and poor Ellie, she had to drink this stuff and it actually brought her to tears because it was so she said, my tongue is burning. <laughs> I think that the theory behind it is if you make something that's like so frightening that it scares the cold out of you. <laughs> There's more where that came from. So you better get out of the body or it's coming again. I don't know. But when I heard the list, my point is this. Those things shouldn't be mixed together ever, ever again. Don't mix together. Um, and I hope that helps you remember this false teaching that the thought that Jesus' natures got mixed together and became some third sort of a being, some mutt, is not a true teaching. He was fully human. He was fully God. Those things came together and made this person like no other one person who's ever lived in all history. Okay, and the last one is called Nestorianism from 400 A.D., this taught that Jesus was two people in one body, okay? Two people, two people in one body. Okay, so Bob, stand up here real quick. Come here. This, this heresy teaches this, that, that Jesus was a human, right? But then Jesus the God got in the body with Jesus the human. And so there's like the buddy system. There were two beings in the same body. Okay, so let's walk together. Two beings going everywhere that Jesus went. And Jesus the God could do one thing, and Jesus the man could maybe do something else. But they're two things in the same body, right? In other words, the nature is never touched. They're like cohabitating. They're roommates in the body. This is a false teaching. False teaching. Thank you for demonstrating a heresy this morning for me. Appreciate it. First I poke him, then I turn him into a human heresy. Look out. (laughs) All right, so here's the summary. The summary is this. I must believe Jesus was 100% God. I must believe he was 100% man. I must believe that this amounted to one person, fully human, fully God. This is the trademark exclusive claims of Christ. 
This is the trademark thing that we believe that nobody else believes. Now that you know it, now that you have a clear, and I, I probably will never preach a message like this again where I go that detailed into specifically what we believe about Jesus and what we don't. Okay? Now that you see it, I want to take it around with you to other religions and compare it to what they say. All right? Now that you've got it, let's shop it around and see how it measures up to what other people say. Let's talk about what other religions teach. My hope is in no way to call into question the devotion of the people who believe these religions or to comment at all on their level of intelligence or devotion or anything. All I want to show you is two things. First, it's not the same. First, they don't believe the same thing. Second, they can't both be true. That's all I want to establish. Let's start with Islam. Here's a picture. Islam, A.D. 622, is when it was formed. So 600 years after Christ, just get your bearings. They came along and said a few new things about Jesus. Okay? There's about 1.6 billion, billion people worldwide who would be considered Muslim. In the U.S., get this, in the year 2000, there were about 1 million Muslims. It over than doubled by 2010. There's now over 2.6 million Muslims in the U.S. And do you know the most Muslim state in the nation? Greatest percentage of Muslims in the nation, according to the state population, is in Illinois. So what do they believe? What do they believe? Write this down. They believe Jesus never claimed to be God. He's certainly not a member of the Trinity. He's just a prophet. Jesus is just a prophet like Moses, like Muhammad. This is what they would say. Uh, human, human, who served a special purpose. 100% human, 0% God, who served a special purpose, just like Moses. Okay, but Hebrews 1, 1 to 2, here's what that says. It says this. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the, listen, heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Hey, Moses. I said, hey, Moses, you got to answer me. Yeah? Did you create the universe? You didn't do that? Are you the heir of everything that's ever been made? No? Huh. I think I got you. What do you think? The book of Hebrews establishes that Jesus is greater than any other prophet in all the scripture. Read it and you'll see that it's true. So to say that he was just a prophet, just like Moses, does not go along with what the Bible teaches. Muslims also believe that Jesus did not die on the cross. I'd say that's a pretty important piece of our belief system, wouldn't you? They said it never happened. They think maybe it was Judas, maybe it was Simon of Cyrene, they're not quite sure, but Jesus was never nailed to a piece of wood, meaning whatever we think he accomplished on that cross never happened in their theology. They also believe that Jesus, get this, he didn't die. He kind of either ascended up to heaven or he's maybe hiding out somewhere, but he never died. He will return someday. He will re- he's coming back. They believe in the return of Christ, and they even think that he's going to take out the Antichrist, but then he's going to die because everyone has to die. This is what they believe. Okay, so question. Is that the same thing as what you believe? 
Come on now, say it. Is that the same thing as what you believe? Okay, so it's not the same. Can both be true at the same time? He died on the cross and he didn't die on the cross. He's coming back to establish his kingdom that will last forever and he's coming back to die and be put in a grave. Do those go together? No. So I want you to understand now that now you know what they believe for someone to come along and say, it's the same. You have to tell that person that what they're saying is illogical, irrational, ignorant, and foolish. Right? I'm not saying you tell the other person in their belief system that. I'm saying you tell the person who would dare to come along and say, no, Jesus didn't die on the cross, and yes, he did die on the cross, to say that they're saying foolish things that are ignorant and out of touch with reality and not consistent with your belief system or history. Okay? They're not the same, and they can't both be true. That's a fact. Okay, let's talk about Mormons. What do Mormons believe? Joseph Smith started the Mormons in there's about 15 million worldwide. About half of them are in the United States. Mormons believe that God, the Father, is a good Mormon from a different universe who got a promotion. It's just the facts. Okay. They believe that our God, the Father, is a good Mormon human, from a different universe who got a promotion and inherited a universe of his own. They don't even think our God, the Father, is omnipotent or everywhere. They, don't e- they would reduce how much God our God, the Father, is. Okay? They would think he's less than God. Where did Jesus come from? Uh, you can write this down. Mormons believe that Jesus is basically the brother of Satan uh, and the brother of the Holy Spirit and kind of family with the rest of us. Um, we were all kind of spirit beings like made by this God in heaven and then after we were spirit beings we came down into this world later. Uh, Jesus was the product of a sexual relationship between this God. There was some form of sexual relationship that happened to produce Jesus in heaven and Satan and the Holy Spirit, their family. Um, So uh, let me ask you this, is that what you believe? You don't believe Jesus was the product of a sexual relationship in heaven and he was born at some points. You don't believe that? Okay, so are they the same? Is it foolish and illogical and ignorant to say that they're the same? Yeah. Can they both be true at the same time? No, they can't. Check this out, Hebrews 1, 5 to 6, put it up on the screen. For to which of the angels did God ever say? So if they say Jesus was like a created spiritual being, that's, that's like an angel. Angels are created spiritual beings. Satan is an angel who fell. To say that Jesus and Satan are bros is to say that Jesus is an angel. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father. He shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Answer, none. Conclusion, Jesus was not an angel. To say that they're the same is to say something false and incoherent and illogical. To say that both can be true is to embrace irrationality. Okay, here's the next one. Let's talk about Jehovah's Witnesses. Started in 1860s by 18, the 1860s by C.T. Russell. There's about 7.5 million Jehovah's Witnesses worldwide. Um, They believe the Arian heresy. So they believe Jesus was assembled at some point, probably before the world existed. He was put together. He was a made being. At one point he didn't exist. Then God put him together and he began to exist. That's what they believe about Jesus. Therefore, 
when he came down to the earth, he came down as just a human. He just was a human. He was not God. And then when he went back, he became kind of something special again, but certainly not fully God and fully man. So write this down. They believe he lived as a perfect man, nothing more. Somehow less than God, kind of became more than man, not fully God, not fully human. Jehovah's Witnesses get their name by declaring that God the Father, Jehovah, is the only true God to worship. They would see worship of Christ as being like, like idolatry, like Jesus should not be worshipped, they would say. Okay? And if you really push them, and I, the Jehovah's Witnesses have been in my neighborhood for a long time. I've talked to them. I've talked to them on my front doorstep. We did two-on-one. Then they brought reinforcements. There was three-on-one. Then at the Starbucks, there was once five-on-one. I'm always outnumbered. Okay? But I've sat and I've talked to them because they are people who really believe this, all right? They really, truly believe it. And they get rattled when you try and show them that even their own Bible shows that Jesus is being worshipped in heaven by everyone. When you show them that, they're like, huh? And they don't know what to do with that, okay? So to say Jesus is God worthy of worship really rattles them because they don't believe that. But if you push them, if you say, who do you really think Jesus is? They'll be like, oh, well, he was greatest created being ever. No, no, who do you really think he is? Well, he was, he's, and then if you keep pushing, they'll finally say, well, we, we really believe that he's the archangel Michael. Write that down. That's really what they believe. They won't lead with that, but if you ask them if they believe that, then they'll finally, okay, yeah, that's, that's really what we believe. They think Jesus is no more than an angel created being Michael. Okay, so question, is that what you believe? Do you believe Jesus is the archangel Michael? So they're not the same, right? They're not the same, right? Okay, can they both be true at the same time? He, he, he is the archangel Michael and he's the eternal son who was never made. He, he was made and he was never made. And both are true? See, that's irrational. It betrays all the laws of logic. It creates this nonsense that doesn't fit with reason. Are you seeing that in order to embrace either one of those two statements, you have to embrace either being irrational or illogical? It comes with that claim. Okay, what about the Buddhists? Let's go with some of the older religions. Buddhists established 500 B.C., to about estimated 500 million worldwide, 1.5 million in the U.S. Write this down. It's, it's really hard to summarize what they think because there's so many beliefs. But basically, they would believe Jesus maybe was an enlightened being. Maybe. Maybe he was one of the people, like their Buddhist teachers, who figured everything out. Now, the nature of Buddhism, this might surprise you, is they're an atheistic religion. They don't believe in God. Okay? They think behind this world, if you were to peel away the illusion that is this world, there's, there's nothing. They believe there's nothing behind this world. In fact, this whole life is one big fake. It's, it's like a fake thing that's fooling you, and when you realize it's fake, then you stop existing. The hope, the end game of all Buddhists is called nirvana. It's a permanent state of non-existence. Where are you going? Where are you heading? You're heading to a place where there is no trace of you you don't exist. You're unconsciously black, dark, and forever. It's called moksha. It's like a candle being blown out. That's what happens to you. Okay, so is that what you believe? Because Jesus said, I go to prepare a place. So I'm going there. I'm here. 
No, you're not. You got blown out like a candle and you're never going to exist again. No, I'm here. What are you doing there? Preparing a place. Curtains, table. You think flat screen TVs in this world are big. Like, (laughs) no, I'm getting materialistic. He's making heaven awesome. All right? In ways that this world could never be awesome. He's right there now. The sounds of construction are like glaring in the ears. I go to prepare a place. So if someone comes along and says, no, there's nothing after this life, are they the same? Can both be true? No. And the leaps you have to make logically, you've got to consider if you're willing to make those leaps. That's what Buddhists believe. Check this out. John 6, 68 to 69. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Okay, next one is Hinduism. It's the oldest of the bunch. Hinduism, eh, about 1500 BC is when it probably started. Some say there's about 900 million or upwards of a billion Hindus worldwide. There's about 1.5 million in the U.S., same as the Buddhists. What do Hindus believe? Well, you can write this down, 330 million gods. Okay, write that number out like on your paper right now. 330, 000, 000, 000. That's how many gods they believe exist. So what do they believe about Jesus? Well, maybe he's one of them. Maybe he's one of them. Um, Write this down. They think behind this world is a spiritual ocean filled with millions of gods. This world is also an illusion, but the difference between Hindus and Buddhists is Hindus believe if you peel away this world, you see the real thing, like the glorious divine place. And when you end your your reincarnations in this life, you wake up and you merge with the divine energy. And um, it's kind of this impersonal merging with your energy with the divine energy so you're kind of enveloped but you become part of this eternal divine sea of tranquility is that what you believe is that what you believe they're not the same okay i'm not knocking them i mean i'm not questioning their devotion or their faith all i'm saying is they're not the same They believe you will merge with divinity. You'll become one with the eternal divine essence. You'll shed your humanity off and become one with the eternal life force. Okay, uh, John 17.3 says this, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the one, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Tally up the number of gods in the spiritual realm, and, and the Bible tells you one. One. He's a plural one. He's one God made with three persons, which is An awesome, amazing, unexplainable truth. But there is one true God. And the math just can't be both. How many gods are there? 330 million. One. They can't both be true. You have to pick one. Here's the last one. This is a twofer. This is a universalist and new age. They're different, but I just coupled them together. Universalist and new age. We'll talk about new age first. A few things that new age um, theology believes would be this that there's some sort of a divine spark in you. Fill that in. There's, there's some sort of a divine spark in you. Like, you were born part God, and that part God has to be found, discovered, unleashed, nurtured. Okay, there's, there's part of you. It's in you. It's in you right now. It was there from birth, and you've got to find it. You've got to track it down, and then you need to become it. All right? That's what the New Age theology would teach. So 
They also will teach things about Jesus. Many of these New Age authors will write entire books about who Jesus was. Okay? So who do they think Jesus was? Well, write this down. They think Jesus came to teach you how to find it. He, he like, showed you how to do it. So, so Jesus, what he did was he dug deep and found his divine spark, and then he let it shine and be, become that. And, he, and then he did it so that you can do it too. They teach that you can do exactly what Jesus did. Some of these books share that Jesus traveled to the eastern lands and went through all these tests to discover his Christ nature and, and came to this awareness of enlightenment. And then he came back and tried to tell people, you can do it too. Okay? These are the books that are out there. Is that what you believe? Is that the same as what you believe? That Jesus found a divine spark in him and somehow unleashed it and now you're supposed to do the same thing. No, they're not the same. Can both be true? No, because even Jesus in a human form, if he wanted, he had to have God the Spirit come down to dwell in him as a human. Okay? The only way even Jesus got to have God present in him as a human was to have the Holy Spirit indwell him. The only way you get to have divinity in you, the only way you get to have a divine spark somehow filling you with joy and purpose and feeling and meaning is you get saved, and then God the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart. You become a temple of God, the dwelling place of Holy God. But that only happens when you're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. You don't have it at birth. Okay, so that's New Age thinking. And then universalists basically just take everything I just told you and lump them all into one group and say they're, they can all be the same. They can all be true. They should all just get along. Here's kind of a picture. This is like a stained glass window, or you've probably seen the bumper stickers where they try and get all the world religions in the same place and say, let's just have them get along, or say they teach the same thing, or say even if they don't, they can all be true. This is universalism. It's basically when you took multiple choice, you ever take a multiple choice test, you know, letter D is all of the above. This is basically the all of the above religion. All of them can be true, and it doesn't matter which one you pick. But here's the thing. In John chapter 18, verse 37, Pilate was having a conversation about the nature of truth with Jesus. And here's what it said. Let's put that up there. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world. To bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What a claim that is. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And then walked away and didn't wait for the answer. You will be told that truth is personal, but the Bible says truth is a person. It's a person. Truth is relational, not individualistic. It's your relationship to God. Truth is a person, and your relationship to that person determines your beliefs. My hope is, at the end of this sermon, that now after three weeks we have defined it, here's what we believe about Jesus, do you believe it too? And then we moved it around and shopped it and compared it to these other different religions. Is it the same? No. Can both be true? No. Is it the same? No. Can both be true? No. That you understand now that you have to make a decision about the truth that you have been presented with over the last month. It's been attacked in the church. They tried to change it, but they couldn't. It's been compromised by different religions, saying it's the same thing. Or 
So you have to make a decision. You have to decide if you truly believe the truth about Christ. And I want to give you a chance to do that. I said this is a sermon like I've never preached before. I decided to end it in a way that I've never ever ended a sermon before. What we're going to do is I'm going to give you a chance. It's a moment of resolve to confess with your mouth the truth about Jesus Christ. And the way I'm going to do that is, you know, hundreds of years after Christ died, the church was getting attacked with lies about Jesus. Lies about They kept warning them off. No, that's not true. No, that's not true. No, that, and they finally got together in the year 451 A.D., and they wrote out a creed. It's called the Chalcedonian Creed. And they said, this is what we believe and what we have believed from the beginning. Say it and mean it, and you're in. Anything else, and you're out. They clarified with conviction what we believe about Christ. I want you to have a chance with conviction to state what you believe about Christ. A few things you need to know about this creed, though. Number one, there's a few words that are hard to say. Just do your best. And don't make fun of the person next to you if they mispronounce. <laughs> Number two, there is one little statement about, it says, Mary, the mother of God. Just understand that that does not mean Mary's anything special. It means her child is everything. Okay? The original authors didn't mean anything special about Mary, and that's not what we're asking you to say. So don't get freaked out about that. But I want you to stand up right now. It's going to make a lot of noise. Go ahead, stand up. And here up on the screen is your chance to make a statement of resolve and to mean it with all your heart. Say it if you mean it. Say it with courage and conviction. Let's say it together. We then, following the Holy Fathers, all with one consent, teach men to confess one and the same Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, the same perfect in Godhead and also perfect in manhood truly God and truly man, of a reasonable soul and body, consubstantial with the Father according to the Godhead, and consubstantial with us according to the manhood, in all things like unto us, without sin, begotten before all ages of the Father according to the Godhead, and in these latter days for us and for our salvation born of the Virgin Mary, the mother of God, according to the manhood. One and the same Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten, to be acknowledged in two natures, inconfusedly, unchangeably, indivisibly, inseparably, the distinction of natures being by no means taken away by the union, but rather the property of each nature being preserved and concurring in one person and one subsistence, not parted or divided into two persons, but one and the same Son and only begotten, God the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ. As the prophets from the beginning have declared concerning Him, and the Lord Jesus Christ Himself has taught us, and the creed of the Holy Fathers has handed down to us. Father, we close by praying. We close by praying with gratitude in our hearts that you would reveal to us this much truth about yourself and your son. Father, I pray that as we are faced with the true claims of who Jesus said he was, that we would embrace it and not shy away from it and not diminish it and not subtract from it, 
and not be ashamed of it. And Lord, I pray in particular for those who perhaps came in today and if I had talked to them yesterday, they may have been the one to say, well, all religions basically teach the same thing. Father, I pray that they would face reality. I pray that they would receive facts and admit with integrity that that is a false statement and that they would never say it again. Lord, I pray for those who would admit that the religions are different but would somehow hope that they could all be true. Lord, may they understand May they understand the irrational nature of that claim and just how foolish it sounds and it truly is when you compare how different they are. Lord, I pray that they would understand that they need to make a decision. They need to pick one. And Lord Jesus, just as you stood in front of Pilate and said, anyone who is for the truth have to be for me. I just pray that they would understand that their relationship to relationship to Jesus is their relationship to you. No one can come to the Father except through the Son. And I pray that those who want to know you would see that your Son is the only way. May they embrace you by faith, Lord. They may even want to pray and say, Father, forgive me for my ignorance. Forgive me for my falsehood. Forgive me for my contradictions believe it's true. I embrace it with my whole heart. I stake my life on it. Father, I pray for those who perhaps would shy away from sharing the full truth with their friends or loved ones, somehow believing they don't need it. I pray that they would repent of that and understand there is no other way. That they would, with courage and conviction, share the truth and see the gospel go to work. Lord, we pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Matchless and mighty King. Amen.